Matthew 5, verse 6, this is God's holy and infallible word. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus says this, what does it mean? We're going to ask three questions this morning. First, what is righteousness? What is this righteousness that Jesus talks about? It's a big theological sounding word. But Jesus uses it, and it's important we understand him correctly. Second, we're going to ask, what does it mean to hunger and thirst for it? Hungering and thirsting, I get. The smell of cookies baking or a good meal cooking. Even my five-year-old gets that. Just the other day, uh, Adriana and I walked in the house together, and she said to Sarah, who was preparing a meal, Mom, it smells amazing in here. She appreciates a good meal. And there's nothing like a cold drink when you're parched or hot chocolate in the winter. Our cadets enjoy, and maybe you didn't know this, but our cadets enjoy hot chocolate with a very special recipe. I didn't know this till recently. Mr. Weglars gave me a cup of this special hot chocolate Uh, The other week before the cadets came in from sledding, it was amazing hot chocolate. And, you know, I could talk about hungering and thirsting all day long. I love good food. But hungering and thirsting for righteousness, what is that all about? And then finally, we're going to ask this, what is the promised blessing for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness? What does Jesus say Why does Jesus say these people are going to be blessed? So first of all, the first question, what is this righteousness? And we can break down the answer into three different parts, three dimensions. First, righteousness in the Bible can refer to a right relationship with God in Jesus Christ. We need to be made right with God because of our sin. Sin separates us from the Lord. Things aren't right because he is holy and we are not on our own. The remedy to that not being right is righteousness. It makes us right with God. And this righteousness is from God. And that's important to state because some people, like the Pharisees who were around in Jesus' day, direct people to an internal righteousness, that you can get it somehow from inside yourselves. The Pharisees back then set up human standards for righteousness, not God's. A harsh legalism we talked about a little bit last week, and they said to the people of God back in Jesus' day, if you follow these man-made standards, you're going to be good with God. But no, the key for this first type of righteousness that makes us right with God is that it is from outside of ourselves. And that's why we call it sometimes, it's kind of a a funny word, but we call it an alien righteousness. Outside of ourselves in this world, it's apart from the law or anything we can do, Paul says in Romans 3. And this righteousness from God, this righteousness saves us. Every person in this world desperately needs this righteousness, and every person can have it too, praise God, by just believing in Jesus. 
second dimension to righteousness, it can refer to an inner righteousness. Not that makes us right with God, but this righteousness that God has for us is about right living. Righteousness can refer to holy living. When we're saved, then our heart changes to want to live for the Lord, to pursue holiness, which comes out in living right before God. This is about a righteous character, wanting a godly life. If the first dimension of righteousness looks upward to God and what he does for us in Jesus, and the second type looks inward to our character in life, the third dimension of righteousness looks outward. This is a righteousness which is about all things being made right in the world, that all things be in accordance with God's will. We want to see God's will and God's ways established everywhere. And this righteousness is very similar uh, to what we mean when we use the word justice. John Stott describes it like this, Righteousness is more than a right relationship with God and moral conduct. Righteousness is more than a private and personal affair. There is a social aspect to righteousness too, where we want to see righteousness and justice for the oppressed in the courts, integrity in business, integrity in politics, honor in the home and in family affairs, reconciliation between people and peoples who are at odds. The great reformer Martin Luther says that we who have been made right with God and who desire holy living are not called to crawl in a corner and keep it all to ourselves. But righteousness involves us offering our hands and our feet, our whole body, to wager everything we have and can do so that things are right in the world because the world needs the Lord. And so Jesus is referring to something quite rich when he talks about righteousness. It's at the very heart of our salvation, our day-to-day walk with the Lord, and it even looks out at the world and those around us. Bible interpreters spend a little time thinking about which one of those dimensions of righteousness is Jesus especially focused on here. But the reality is you can't have one part of this definition without the other two. Biblical righteousness always includes all three dimensions. This is righteousness, all three aspects. The second question, the first one was, what is this righteousness? Second, what does it mean to hunger and thirst for it, for the righteousness. We know the importance of diet. And there's this saying, you are what you eat. If we eat donuts and pastries and cake, we'll become a cream puff. We know what the results will be if we take in certain things We are what we eat in some ways. As one pastor puts it, we are what we eat also applies to our mind and our spirit. And what we feed on in life, we become. 
When you take in, for example, violence, inappropriate images or videos that impacts your soul and you want more and more of that, the world hungers and thirsts for sex, for wealth, for entertainment, for excitement, and advertisements are constantly urging us to go after all of those things. The language of hungering and thirsting in Matthew 5 is telling us what we should take in instead. Jesus provides a menu that will bring us spiritual nourishment. To hunger and thirst is stronger language than we might think at first. Because for Jesus' listeners back in the ancient Near East with no freezers, no running water, no speedy transportation methods like we have these trucks on the road bringing food, starvation and dehydration were not so far away for those people. Those things are never really a danger for us. The stores are filled, our fridges are filled, we open the fridge, we turn on the faucet. And and so this is more than a nice preference for something. This is being desperate for something, longing for something. That's the language, that's what Jesus' hearers would hear when he said, to hunger and thirst. I mean, you're getting desperate here. You need to have food and water. Like Psalm 63, 1, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And Psalm 42, verse 1, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. And so we're desperate for the work of Jesus to be ours because we know on our own we're poor and needy sinners. And on our own we're completely lost. We're headed to destruction. It means we long to be more like Jesus, to live righteous and holy lives. It's the deepest desire of our hearts that we be like Jesus. And our heart hurts that things aren't right in the world. When there's injustice, we long for God's righteousness to permeate the earth. So people of God, are we desperate for righteousness? Are we yearning for righteousness, for that type of passion? You know, maybe we got to go back to when we were first saved or a time in our life when the Lord was very real to us when we were really growing in our faith and when we were eager to be growing more or maybe a time when we were in great trouble or great sorrow and and we cried out to God, we truly hungered and thirsted after him. We couldn't get enough of God's word and prayer and and worship. Sometimes a child of God can wake up one day and, and realize that their devotion has been very weak. Maybe The demands of life have taken over. Maybe we've started hungering and thirsting for other things. Maybe we've let ourselves be content with lesser things. Maybe we've been trying to get that satisfaction in life out of the appetites of this world. And so Jesus graciously reminds 
each one of us this morning of the menu that he has for us. He calls you and me back to that longing this morning. Maybe you feel this morning that maybe you feel something. I've never had that longing. I've never had that yearning for the Lord. And if that's true, God is inviting you for maybe the very first time to truly seek after him, to turn to the Lord, to turn to his ways. And you can today, by just believing in Jesus, if you call in his name, The call is to be thirsty for a life that pleases the Lord, to hunger for Jesus and his finished work that he accomplished, even though we don't deserve it at all. You know, there's a reason that there's bread and wine, food and drink in the Lord's Supper. This spiritual hunger and thirst is so essential to the Christian life that God built it into the sacrament itself to remind us and to seal this in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, this yearning, this longing. There's a final question this morning. What is the promised blessing? How are those who have this kind of diet, this longing, blessed? And it's this. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. There's so many things that we can hunger and thirst after, but any option other than righteousness will leave us feeling empty. I'll reveal my own ignorance when I say that until very recently, I actually thought pretzels were a decently healthy option for snacks. But I guess they really aren't. They're basically a refined carbohydrate, and you got to watch your intake of carbs. They're usually very high in sodium. They have like zero nutritional value, I think. No protein to speak of. They won't fill you. They won't give you energy or anything. There are many spiritual equivalents to pretzels in life. Kind of the question this morning is, why do we settle for snacking on pretzels so much? And you can fill in the blanks yourself for what those pretzels are in your life. Why do we settle for munching on pretzels when Jesus offers us a feast? Jesus says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And in Luke 22, 29, and 30, Jesus says to his disciples, I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. It's quite an honor and a privilege to be invited to someone's home for dinner. It's not a practice that you see too much anymore, and that's a shame. There's work involved, cleaning, preparations, cooking. So so think of it now. Jesus himself invites you, the poor sinner that you are. He comes to you, and he invites you to eat and drink 
at his table. It's incredible. And he promises that when we accept his invitation and when we feast at his banquet, he will satisfy us. The opposite of being filled is to be empty. A life without the righteousness of God in Jesus is empty. We're lost. We'll never be satisfied. We'll go from this to that. But with Jesus and his righteousness applied to us when we believe, that fills. That's what we need. Things will align for us. When, when we don't seek after holiness for ourselves, that's an empty life. But we will be filled when we seek the character of God and when we pray that God will make us more like Jesus in our thoughts and in our words and in our deeds. And you know, too, a world without justice is an empty world, a life of just watching out for ourselves and our own and forgetting about those in need. That's a hollow and an empty life. But sharing the righteousness, seeking justice and liberty for all, that biblical value of righteousness is right in our nation's Pledge of Allegiance. Seeing righteousness in the land fills the people of God. It satisfies. And that's why last night to this morning we served at pads again together at church. It's why we're going as a church to this feed my starving children thing. It's why a team of people went to Honduras to serve in an orphanage this past week. It's, it's why we care about just laws and why we care about what leaders say and will do about righteousness. It's because God's children understand that when we thirst for these things, the things of God, we will be filled. As Amos 5.24 says, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Until Jesus returns and it's all to perfection. We celebrate communion today. We eat of Christ's body and drink of his blood. Uh, The Lord reminds us of the filling we can have in him. And when we partake in a little while by faith, calling out to him, yearning for him, you can be sure that he will fill us through his Holy Spirit, that he'll fill you this morning. May our junk foods be more and more replaced with the healthy appetite for righteousness so that we may be filled. And start today with this new and deeper focus. Would you? You know, if I were to stand up here this morning and try to sell you on starting a new diet today, I wouldn't get too many takers. You know, I I guess there's some big sporting event on TV later that some people may be looking forward to. A lot of deliciously unhealthy food goes along with that. Tomorrow morning I'll start my new diet. Not today, tomorrow. But there's no reason to delay the diet of righteousness. No reason not to go for maximum spiritual blessing now, this very hour, is there? I mean, Jesus may return today, and I really want him to find me giving my all for him in my life, since he 
gave his all for me by going to the cross for all my sins. And so start today. Take next steps now. Go after righteousness by believing on Jesus who brings us God's righteousness by pursuing holiness in your life, by seeking and praying for God's righteousness to fill the earth. You think of all those dimensions of righteousness. Where can you take next steps? Where is God calling you to a deeper yearning? Maybe all three. He's so gracious. He certainly blesses us and fills us when we turn to him. Amen.